Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Behind everything that takes place every day, everywhere, including in your life, everything is either the product of the Spirit of God or of the Spirit of this world. Everything is motivated by one of those two spirits. Now, the Spirit of God, as we well know, is revealed in different ways. He is the Spirit of faith, He is the Spirit of prayer, He is the Spirit of worship, and so on. And there are many demonic spirits who are under, if you like, the spirit of this world. They serve the spirit of this world just as every other aspect of the Holy Spirit serves the purpose of God. So what happens when somebody gets saved is they're delivered from the spirit of this world that has, in effect, ruled and governed their lives, and they're born again of the Spirit of God, so that from that time, their lives can be under the governance of God's Spirit. Now, of course, we know from experience that although that means Theoretically, that from that moment of new birth, the spirit of this world has no place and no uh, power over that person. That now everything in his or her life can be under the governance of the Holy Spirit. Yet, empirically, in practice, there's a continuous Transition, transformation that takes place because the spirit of this world has had such control and effect upon people's lives. It doesn't mean that everything immediately is governed by the Holy Spirit and it doesn't mean that there aren't elements of their life that are still under the influence of of the spirit of this world. And that's why the scripture speaks to us of the need for us to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. And this he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what that process of transformation actually involves is being set free from the influence of the spirit of this world so that everything is under the governance of the Holy Spirit. 
So it's actually quite a thought that when we do not allow the Holy Spirit to have the governance, to have the leadership, to have his rightful place in our lives, then inevitably in some way the spirit of this world is still having influence in our lives and can still be expressed through our lives. If I just give you one or two uh, obvious examples, if a Christian takes offense when they're hurt or when somebody does something to upset them, the spirit of, of offense is part of the spirit of this world. You would not expect a Christian to take offense when somebody hurts them because the spirit of God always points us to the word of God and the word of God says forgive. So a Christian in that situation has this decision either to live by the spirit of God and to forgive or to live by the spirit of the world and to take offense. Now, of course, most Christians don't think like that. They don't realize that that's what they are doing. But in effect, they are because, you see, anything that is opposed to the spirit of God is of the spirit of the world. Hello. So the spirit of God appeals to your spirit. The spirit of the world appeals to your flesh. So this is why, of course, Jesus says that in order to follow him, we have to deny our self-life, deny the flesh life that is influenced by the spirit of the world in order that we may be led by God so that every aspect of our lives is under the governance of the Holy Spirit. Paul says under the control of the Holy Spirit. The mistake that many Christians make is they excuse themselves when they do not act and respond to situations with the Spirit of God in the way that the Word says. And they do not realize that instead of excusing themselves, they need to appreciate what is happening spiritually. That they have given way to the influence of the spirit of the world, which may have had an influence in their lives in a particular way that has never been dealt with. One of the important things of going through a process like freedom which some of you have been through and others of you are going through now, is that it will address, I, don't, I, I haven't read all the material, but what it will in effect be doing is addressing different ways in which the spirit of the world is still able to influence the life of a Christian. And for you to therefore repent, turn away, from any influence of the spirit of the world and to embrace the spirit of God. So there's two things that we need to be conscious of 
continually in our Christian lives. One is how to stand against the spirit of the world. And secondly, how to keep our lives under the governance of the spirit of God. It's probably better to put those in the reverse order, that the more our lives are under the governance of the Spirit of God, the less there will be of the influence of the Spirit of the world. But we need to have our eyes open to spiritual reality, to what actually is going on in our lives, uh, through, through the experience that we have of living in the world. Um, we know that the Holy Spirit of God is given to us to enable us to fulfill the will of God. Let your minds be renewed so that you know the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. That's right thinking will lead to right believing, right speaking, right doing. It all begins with whether we submit our soul life, our self-life, our natural life to the spirit, or whether we actually allow still the spirit of this world to influence our souls, at least in certain ways. What a process of revival does is actually to throw out of our lives any influence of the spirit of the world so that we live more fully in the power of the spirit of God, which is why so many greater things happen in times of revival than they do at other times. So let's tackle just for a few minutes this morning these two issues how do we stand against the spirit of the world and how do we keep our lives more fully under the governance of the spirit of God? Well, we have the spiritual weapons that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So that means that we do not allow the enemy to have any stronghold in our lives. Put another way, we do not allow the spirit of the world to have any permanent, ongoing influence in our thinking and therefore in our speaking and our actions. So if we are conscious of any way in which that is happening, we need to turn away from that. We need to repent of that. We need to confront that situation in our lives, it needs to be dealt with because that will always have a detrimental effect upon our ability to actually move powerfully in obedience to the Spirit of God. So we have the spiritual weapons that actually are able to overcome any influence of the spirit of the world in our lives. Of course, 
that's no use unless we use the powers that God has given us. If we don't use those weapons, then, of course, we still remain under the influence of the spirit of the world in whatever way that may apply. So that means you and I have to take authority over everything that would influence us from the world. Now, we often hear people say, well, we've got to live in the real world. You can't do anything else except live in the real world. But we don't live according to the world. And there are lots of things that go on in our lives, in our interaction with the world, that seem to be harmless. And many of them may be relatively harmless. But again, God reminds us in his word that although some things may seem harmless and not intrinsically evil in themselves, yet not everything is helpful. That if our focus is on the things of the world, then that's detrimental to our focus being on the things of God. In a time of revival, people are not double-minded, nor do they have divided hearts, nor is their focus divided. They have that absolute singleness of intent and purpose. And that's a process that God is leading us into step by step. Our purpose is lining up more and more fully with his purpose, more and more consistently with his purpose. And as that takes place, so the spirit of the world has less influence and the spirit of God a greater influence in actually what is taking place in our lives. So we've got to recognize not that there's just a temptation or some area of weakness that perhaps we've got accustomed to living with and have just accepted, well, that's me, that's the kind of person I am and God knows that's who I am and God knows that I have this issue and so on. We need to come against that if that weakness exists because there is still influence of the spirit of the world. And therefore, in that weakness, we react in a non-spiritual way, in a way that is disobedient to the will of God. So it may be, you see, that if we judge someone, anyone, whether they're Christian, whether they're a non-Christian, whether they're a sinner, whether they're a saint, if we judge anyone, we are motivated by the spirit of the world, not by the spirit of God. Because the word of God says all judgment belongs to the Son. And we are not to judge anyone, or we will ourselves come under the same judgment. We will come under the judgment of the spirit of the world, because, you see, judgment 
is happening all the time around us in the world. But it doesn't belong to those who belong to the kingdom. There is no judgment. There is judgment in the sense of judging others, condemning them, uh, not, you know, making judgments about having to assess what is right and what is wrong, but judging in the sense of condemning others for what they are or for what they have done. So that doesn't belong to us as Christians. And if ever we stray into that area of judgment, we have actually allowed our lives to come under the spirit of the world. And we need to realize that, okay, I have allowed myself to be influenced by something from the enemy. So we not only repent of the sin, but we stand against that influence. I am not going to be influenced by any spirit of judgment. See, that spirit of judgment belongs to the world. It doesn't belong to the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, Jesus alone is the one who has the authority and the right to judge. So we can see how in very practical ways these things are evident. But what we don't always uh, realize is actually behind all these negative things there is this spirit of God that is opposed to the spirit of God. Uh, There is this this other spirit that is opposed to the spirit of God and is wanting to influence our lives. Take offense. Do not forgive. Judge. Condemn. Be full of lust. Be full of jealousy. Be angry. All these things are motivated by the spirit of this world or the spirits that are operating under the spirit of this world. We see, therefore, that God is the one, obviously, who is over the ruling through the spirit of God, but it's the enemy that rules through the spirit of the world. So we don't want the enemy to have any influence in our lives whatsoever. So we stand against Now, this is why you see we have to be wise about what we look at, what we read, what we feed on. Because you turn your television on and you turn the spirit of the world on. If you're not careful. Depending on what you look at. And to think that you can... Look at stuff that is motivated by the spirit of the world without it having any influence on you is clearly ridiculous. I mean, why do you turn the television on so it will have some influence over you? Whether that influence is to entertain or whatever it may be. But you don't want to be entertained by something that is motivated by the spirit of the world. Now, you know, you might think, well, that leaves us very little to look at. The test match in England are doing well and Arsenal when they're winning. But apart from that, what is there to... 
What is there to see that is edifying? But in this, you see, we have to exercise discernment, don't we? We are making decisions all the time. And if we want our lives to be governed by the Spirit of God, then our focus must be allowing the Spirit of God to influence us. So uh, we need to take authority over any way in which we think the spirit of this world is attacking us, is wanting to control us, is wanting to have influence in our lives. And I mean, you don't have to have a, a, a major deliverance session. You just have to say, no! No! Now you're saying no to the spirit of this world, but you're also saying no to yourself. No, I am not having anything to do with that. No, that will not have any influence over my life. Amen? Now, when it comes to the spirit of God, we say yes. But how do we keep under the governance of the Holy Spirit? There are three things that in the normal course of events in your life, you do every day. You breathe. You eat. You drink. There is a fourth thing that most people do. They also wash. But if we focus for a moment on the breathe, breathing, eating, drinking. Now, when you look at the scripture, spiritually speaking, spiritually, if we breathe spiritually, if we eat spiritually, if we drink spiritually... All three of those activities are activities of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. So just as we breathe naturally every day, stop breathing, stop living. It's as simple as that. So we need to keep breathing the Holy Spirit every day. It's not a question of saying, I have received the Holy Spirit. I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. But I am in a relationship with God the Father through his son Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I need to keep breathing in the Holy Spirit Every day of my life. He is the breath of God. You don't stop speak breathing naturally. So you don't stop breathing spiritually. Now Jesus says. I, I am the bread of life. And you can understand that in two ways. He is the word of God. And what is the 
ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives to take the word of God and declare it to us. To remind us constantly of the word of God. In every situation where we're placed, the Holy Spirit will take the word and declare it to us. So we need to keep feeding on the word, not just reading the scriptures, but feeding on the word in the power of the spirit. Expecting the spirit to take the word, to declare it to us, yes, when we read the scripture, but also at other times during the day. The voice of the Holy Spirit is there within you because the person of the Holy Spirit is there within you and you want him to feed you with the word so that when you come to making a decision about certain issues, practical issues, you will not listen to the spirit of the world but you will listen to the spirit of God and make the decision to go with the spirit of God and not with the spirit of the world. Right, now, the Holy Spirit is also the living water. The living water that flows from the throne of God. So if I'm going to keep my life under the governance of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to keep breathing in the Holy Spirit, whatever that means. I'm going to keep feeding on the word of God and expecting the Holy Spirit to declare that word to me so that I'm always living with a particular word, with the particular things that God is saying to me day by day. But I'm also going to be drinking in the living water that enables me, that sustains me and enables me to fulfill what God is speaking to me by his word brought to me by the Holy Spirit. The washing is necessary when I fail to do any of those three things, the breathing, the eating and the drinking. Are you with me? So, every day of your life, you actually spend time breathing. You're not conscious of that because it's a process that is going on all the time. But when you come to eat, there are set times when you have meals. You are also able to snack in between meals. And the good thing about spiritual feeding is that you're allowed to snack as much as you like and it doesn't make you fat. <laughs> it actually keeps you more under the governance of the Holy Spirit. So you can snack as much as you like uh, on the word of God throughout the day. And of course, it takes time for you to drink. And you probably drink consistently during the day. You might have your bottle of water with you or you might have a time when you'll have a cup of tea or 
Some of you may still be on coffee or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, but you, these are deliberate actions that you take and you take whatever time is necessary to eat and drink. So we need to do these, these things spiritually. When you pray, you're doing a whole number of different things. Part of your prayer time needs to be spent receiving So many Christians spend a lot of time asking God to do things, but they don't spend time receiving and receiving the answer very often to what it is they're asking God to do. It wouldn't be any good. This might be too deep for some of you, but just pray for revelation if you need it. To ask for food, to have it put on the table, but not to eat it. That would not seem to be very sensible. <laughs> Amen? And you wouldn't prepare a drink, make a cup of tea, leave it on the table just to go cold and not drink it. But you see, spiritually, that's what we do very often. We, we go into a lot of bother, really, and, and uh, energy into praying for the meal, for the drink. But we don't give ourselves time to eat it and drink it. We know that our God, the one to whom we pray, is the God of all grace. He is the God of love. What is grace? Grace is God giving to those who deserve nothing. What is the love of God? The love of God is God giving for the well-being of the one he loves. God loved the world so he Gave his son. The love of God, the grace of God, are expressed in giving. So if we're praying for the love of God and the grace of God to influence our lives, that means we're praying for him to give, which means we need to spend the time receiving. And Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Why? Because you've given yourself time. Right, I've received that. I have that. Now, God is teaching us more about intercession and prayer at this time. That's because that is such an indispensable part of the prelude to real revival.
all revival comes out of prayer. So, what does this say to us about the governance of the Holy Spirit in our lives? It means that if I am intent on God influencing my life in the way that I desire, I am going to have to be still and receive. I'm going to have to eat. I'm going to have to drink. Now, one of the things that God is teaching us is about perseverance in prayer. You see, if you pray with faith, and if you don't pray with faith, God doesn't regard it as prayer, so he doesn't have to answer it. So if you pray, you pray with faith. And if you pray with faith, you pray for a particular objective to be realized. Vague prayers get vague answers. And there's nothing vague about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's only intentional prayer that receives the answers that we want. Specific prayers get specific answers. So when we pray, we have to be specific about exactly what is to happen in response to our prayer. If we're not specific about that, we're not praying with faith. If we don't know what the specific answer should be in a situation, then we shouldn't be praying about that situation until first we have prayed for God to give us wisdom, for God to give us understanding, for the Spirit of God to lead and guide us in our prayer so that we know what specific objective we need to be praying for by faith. Now, once you know your specific objective, then you persevere in faith until that objective is reached. You do not give up. If you give up, then you weren't in faith in the first place. So there are some things where you obtain your objective immediately. There are other things where you have to persevere in prayer, sometimes for a considerable period of time. Sometimes you have to persevere for days, weeks, months, even years. Abraham had to persevere for 25 years before Isaac was born. So there are some objectives that will be realized very quickly. There are others that will only be realized by faithfully persevering in prayer, in faith, over a period of time. Now what the Holy Spirit will do is he will keep feeding us, he will keep keep that flow of, of, of living water in our lives, enabling us to persevere. You see, you've heard me say again and again that if you translate the Greek accurately, 
Then Jesus is saying, go on asking and you will receive. Go on seeking and you will find. Go on knocking and it will be opened to you. For those who go on asking receive, or everyone who goes on asking receives, and everyone who goes on seeking finds, and everyone who goes on knocking, it will be open to them. It's this continuous, it's this perseverance. We think that we've only prayed really in faith if we pray for something and then leave it to God. Right, I've prayed, I've believed, now it's over to you, God. But that's not what Jesus teaches, you see. He teaches that perseverance, that God answers those who cry out to him day and night. Remember, that's what he taught in the parable of the unjust judge, where the widow persisted. And then Jesus said, how much more will your father, who is, who is not like the unjust judge, but how much more will God answer the prayers of his children who cry out to him day and night? That's perseverance. That's crying out to him day and night until your specific objective is realized. So it's not a question of, okay, I need to pray for this and pray for that and pray for something else and, and just say, well, thank you, Lord, I believe I've received it. That sounds all right, but it isn't all right. When you pray through, uh, we, we used to use this phrase a lot more than we do now. It used to be sort of a common um, prayer knowledge here, pray through. And what we meant by that was you pray through till you know you have your specific objective. You know you've reached it. You know it. You know it. It's not just, well, I believe I've received it. You know you have it. You know that the matter is resolved. You know the matter is answered. Now, you see, with some specific objectives, you're not going to reach that point necessarily the first time you pray. I used to do a lot of hill climbing and walking when I was uh, somewhat younger than I am now. Um, and it seems to me that prayer, praying for prayer objectives is like climbing up a mountain. Now, when you do that, and when you go fell walking or whatever, when you do that, you, you are going uphill and you can see that there is a certain point which often looks like the summit but isn't. And you reach that point and there's a bit of a plateau. And then you see to your dismay that you have to climb some more. And there's another point, you see, and you reach that point and you think, I'm there. And then you see, no, no, there's another. It may not even be a plateau. It may be that you've got to go down and then you've got to go up again. And finally, you reach your objective, which is the summit. And it seems to me that prayer is often like that. 
You pray and you persevere and you're praying with, with all your energy and all your might because it's only fervent prayer that avails much. Not nice prayers, mm-hmm. fervent prayers. So that come from the heart. So you pray fervently and you come to a point where you have peace. But peace is not the objective. Peace is not the victory. Peace is the plateau. Right? God gives you peace. That's as far as you can get now. You're on this plateau. Next time you pray, you're going to go higher. You're going to get nearer the fulfillment of the objective. Are are you with me in this? And you see, sometimes uh, you can... You can uh, pray for a period of time where it seems that you have to pray again and again, but each time you're making progress. I, I've, I've always found this, this sort of imagery helpful to me because I know, okay, I've, I've come to a place of peace, but peace is not victory. Right? Peace is knowing that's as far as I can get now, but I need to return to this and God will take me further the next time. Perhaps to another time of peace, perhaps to the victory. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to persevere till I get to the summit. Amen? Hallelujah. I once did the horseshoe up in the Lake District, which is five summits in one day, where you're going up and down, up and down, up and down. That's quite fun. But prayer seems to be like that sometimes because, you know, you're praying for a number of different things and you might be up the summit or near the summit in one thing and you're down in the valley with another thing and you've got to persevere with that. Is this making sense to you? You understand what I'm saying? But you see, there's that determination. Now, my my main objective is revival, but I know what that means. I'm not in some cloud cuckoo land of thinking, you know, just a little move of the Spirit, a breath of the Spirit. I need to see God move in the way I've seen him move in the past and more so. So that's my objective. I'm praying for that objective. I know that as I climb that particular mountain, what God has to do, and, and if, if you've ever done any climbing, you'll know this, that what happens as you progress is you leave the world behind you. Hello. And instead of being part of the world, you start to look down on the world. You get another perspective altogether. Are you there? You're no longer part of whatever goes on down there. God has lifted you up into heavenly places. Let me just tell you one more thing about this. 
because this is a, a picture that God has often given us when praying for revival. You can't actually pray up to that summit yourself. What actually happens is you pray and you get to a certain point where then there's a steep mountain face which is impossible for anybody to climb that takes you up to the peak. And as you stand at the foot of that, you've done everything you can do. God reaches down, takes hold of you, and lifts you up and puts you on the top. When that happens, you know you've arrived. Hallelujah. But we keep praying and we keep persevering and this is our intent until we get to that place where God will then lift us up. That's when the final breakout, breakthrough, breaking everything happens. By then we're broken. (laughs) We're broken of what? The influence of the spirit of this world. Why is this so important? What are we praying for revival for? What's the purpose? It's not so you can have a good time spiritually, but so that we can impact the world. Listen. How can those who are influenced by the spirit of the world affect the world that is governed by the spirit of the world. Hello? Can you see what God has to do during this reviving process? Take us out of the influence of the spirit of this world, so that when the breakthrough comes, the spirit of God will be operating so powerfully among us that he will have great impact through us on the world around us. Because the spirit of God is so much more powerful than the spirit of the world. So what you hear happening in times of revival is many people getting saved because they become more readily under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. They realize their sinfulness and their need of God. Why is that? It's because there are a people, a group of people, that are so governed by the Holy Spirit that the impact of the Holy Spirit actually confronts them with the spirit of the world that is influencing them without them realizing that. They suddenly come under conviction of sin. I mean, I've seen it where unsaved people just fall to their knees simply by being in the presence of people that are revived. I've seen it happen. 
It's just the sheer presence of the Holy Spirit in his people. And we are all going to see it happen. So, beloved, spend time. You don't have to spend a long time, but do spend some time as part of your prayer every day receiving. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Feed on the word. Don't just read it. Feed on it. Respond to what it is God is saying. Drink in the Holy Spirit. And you see, the way you do these things is just to believe. Lord, I believe I'm receiving now. Fresh anointing for today fresh anointing for what I'm going to do. God wants everything to be fresh. That's why he taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. So every day we pray, give, give us, give us, give us. But if he gives us, we've got to receive it. Give us today everything we need to be able to serve you today in the way that you're calling us to. So I'm going to spend time just receiving. I receive it, Lord. See, what's the point of asking to be healed if you don't receive healing? I receive it, Lord. I believe I'm receiving it. And just give yourself some time to receive it. Don't just say that I'm receiving it. It takes time to eat a meal. Takes time to receive, takes time even to have a drink. So why not spend some time receiving? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.